Hello, welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the octopedal Matt. Hello there. So, Matt, um, Arachnids in the UK this week. Mm, only just watched it. Likewise. Yeah, likewise. just We're recording... watched it this morning. Yeah. Recording a, a bit earlier in the weekend this uh, this weekend, because uh, my uh, my partner and uh, little Zorbloff are away visiting relatives. So I'm, I'm on my Todd this weekend. Have you been up to much whilst you are on your own? Nah, just faffing. Just faffing around. <laughs> a lot, a lot of faffing. I'm, I'm very bad when left to my own devices. Do I, you do what I, I do? Where if my wife goes away for the weekend, I basically go downstairs, sit in my comfy chair, and wait for her to come back. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, little tease for you. Uh, my lunch today has mm. been mostly jaffa cakes. Oh wow! <laughs> that's the sort of uh, that's the kind of tone. That I've set for myself so far right. this weekend. No prizes for guessing what's going to be your meal of the week. Then. <laughs> um, so yeah, where, where do you want to start this week, Matt? Have you, um, have you had a good week? It's been okay. It's yeah. been okay. Yeah, just surviving. Yeah. I went um, to the opticians this morning. That was nice. Oh yeah. Um, got yourself some new specs, or uh, I've ordered some. Yeah. But, like. The, the girl that served me, I, I'd like to think if I go back next week, we'll become great mates. She was just like the most nice person I think I've ever met. Mm. At, at one point in the middle of like my consultation, she just turned the computer off by accident, broke the whole thing, and we had to start all over again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and she, you, she was that nice, so you didn't even mind? Because no, that would have annoyed me. Because she was like, oh, oh I am sorry. Um, and then I had to do like a customer feedback thing, and she was like, "You're not mad about the computer, are you?" I was like, "Don't worry about it." Mm. Yeah, I would, just have, been, a really, I would have been really a little good. Egg. Yeah, well, that's nice. I, I, I've got a, an optician's appointment booked for next week. Uh, desperately needed in my case because my glasses have snapped in the bridge. Oh great! Have you sell uh, them together like a, a comedy uh, carry-on character? Yesterday, there was a lot of grappling with sellotape, but it, it, to be honest, it never took particularly well. So um, I was having to sort of refresh the sellotape every uh, three or four hours, which was very annoying. Um, and uh, to last night, I uh, got the super glue out and uh, they're doing a little bit better. But if I'm, I'm hoping it, I'll be lucky if the super glue uh, sees me out until my appointment on Wednesday. Is this the most boring conversation we've ever had on pod? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a good judge for these things. Um, I'm having a lovely time just do talking you, to a person. Do you think anyone's like at home just going, oh, oh, did he fix his glasses? Get to the end of the story, David. <laughs> I mean, this is the first actual conversation I've had with another human being uh, since 6pm yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board. Right. Right. Well, we've got so much in the can this week, David. Yeah? What Where do you I, want to start? What if I told you we've got the Would I Lie to Who finale? We have indeed. What if I told you we've got the return of the Wheelie Big Quiz? Oh, I'm so chuffed for that. What if I told you, David, we've got radio's least enjoyed segment, television highlight of the week? 
<laughs> yep. And we've got the segment that refuses to die, Meal of the Week. <laughs> and on top of all that, don't forget, we're talking about uh, the Doctor and her friends fighting a load of big spiders. Mm. Loads to look forward to, listeners. Yep. I mean, if you thought the optician's chat was good, whoa. <laughs> Just you wait. Yeah. I bleached my toilet this morning as well, David. Should we have a chat about that? Uh, and we can do if you like. <laughs> no. As I say, uh, this could be a long one because I'm, I'm in no rush. I've got nothing else on. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I could finish off the Jaffa cakes, but uh, other than that, I've got I've got nothing on the agenda. We've got a course correct. We've got to turn it round. Where, <laughs> okay. where do you want to start? Um, let's let's get it out of the way. Let's talk about TV highlight of the week. What what? Uh, though, having said that, I've got a good one this week. I think, but uh, hit me with yours first. Um, watch Bake Off. I think this week's episode of What If is probably the best one now so far. Uh, yeah, it it kind of delivered on a lot of what a lot of people have been speculating about, didn't it? Yeah. I won't say any more than that. Uh, if you like Marvel, worth a watch. If you don't like Marvel, this is not the show for you. Yeah. It's not going to convince anybody, is it? If you're not already steeped in uh, in the law. I'm trying to think what else I've got to watch. Uh, I was going to go watch James Bond today, but then mm. you talked me into recording this instead, so I'll probably go watch James Bond tomorrow. Well, fair enough. Um... Have I admitted on, on pod or not? I've never watched any of the Daniel Craig Bond films. Uh, pe- people just assume, take it as red now. I'll, I say that <laughs> I've watched something and you just go, have I mentioned on pod? I've never watched. And then it doesn't matter yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not a massive Bond fan. It's just I like going to the cinema. I I liked... I liked what... The... <sighs> I like the ones that we had taped off the telly when I grew when I was growing up, but which was mostly Sean Connery and Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not a franchise I've kept up with. What is your favourite Bond song? Uh, favourite Bond song, probably "Live and Let Die." Really? Yeah. Even the weird reggae middle eight. Uh, see for me. I know this is cliche for people of our generation, but mm. Goldeneye by Tina Turner. Like, I, I don't even really like Goldeneye, the film, but I love the game. Mm. So. Yeah, the game has sort of eclipsed the film at this point, hasn't it, in mm. terms of popular consciousness? Yeah, I've already said, I don't know if you saw this week, David, but uh, mm. Nintendo Switch, they're adding to their online library. So you can, oh, yeah? you can get a full Nintendo 64 catalogue and Sega Mega Drive. Oh, can you? Um, so I've said when that happens, uh, uh, I might invite some listeners and we're going to play a round of Mario Golf. <laughs> if you want to join us. Who knows? Now, I know what you're thinking, David, and the answer's no. I will be playing as Wario, Okay. <laughs> I don't think I ever played Mario Golf. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. Um, the new one's yeah. rubbish, but the N64 one's good. Mm. I, I'll tell you what, my favourite N64 game has got to be Pokemon Snap. 
Really? Well, that's coming to Nintendo Is Switch it? Online, yeah. Yeah. I loved a bit of Pokemon Snap. Is that why when we went out for that walk one day, you threw an apple at a duck and knocked it into the <laughs> pond? It may well have been. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so my, my TV highlight of the week, thank you for asking that. Um, my uh, Little Absorbaloff has been diversifying his interests a little bit recently. He's still very much into robots, don't get me wrong. But he's also started to develop a bit of a fascination with spooky stuff. Uh Ghosts and monsters and whatnot. And one day, a little light bulb just popped uh, above my head. And I remembered about the trapdoor. Okay, yeah. You, you, you are familiar, I take it. Entirely familiar, yeah. I think I think most of our listeners of a certain generation will be familiar with it. Um, but for those who's not, it was a sort of stop-motion, claymation, uh, little five-minute episodes thing, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and it basically just revolves around this spooky castle and this uh, rather put-upon servant who works in the kitchens of this castle. And in the kitchen... Is a big trap door and he tends to forget to leave it closed and then monsters and stuff comes out of the trap door. But and I mean it's... everyone knows don't you open that trap door. Yeah. You're a There's... fool if you dare. Yeah, exactly. It's a great theme tune, great animation, great voicing from, from Willie Rushton. Um and the best thing of all about it from my perspective is the fact that from pretty much the first moment I put it on for Little Absorbaloff, he was laughing himself sick at it. Like, honestly, I have never heard him laugh so much in my life. Genuinely gave himself hiccups within 10 minutes. He was laughing so hard. Um, So that's been a delight. Um, And, you know, it's continued to be a hit all week. Um, And... uh, if uh, his usual habits are anything to go by, will continue to be a hit for the next six months or so <laughs> until I am thoroughly, thoroughly sick of the trapdoor. Um, but yeah, what a great little show that was. Awesome. Yeah. So then, Matt. Is it time? Are we going to finally put Would I Lie to Who? Uh, would Sorry, Would... Would I lie to who? No, I can't speak all of a sudden. No, that is right, isn't it? I was getting it right both yeah, times. Yeah, it's would yeah. I lie to who? Because of yeah. Doctor Who. Yes, of course. <laughs> I don't know what's gone wrong with my brain today. Um, so is it finally time to put would I lie to who to bed, Matt? It is. One shall stand, one shall fall, David. <laughs> right. This is absolutely nerve-wracking. Okay, so let me just pull up this document. So we did reach out to Jake from the Married to Who podcast. Yeah. Who was more than willing to oblige. Do you want to say Excellent. hello to the Married to Who podcast, David? Hello, Married to Who podcast. Okay. So, Jake, because we're playing head-to-head, David, instead of me versus you, mm-hmm. he sent four statements for us to choose from. Oh, okay. Okay, there's three lies and one truth. And they all relate to the Married to Who podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, are you you happy for me to read them? Yes, go for it. Okay, the answers are on a separate document, so don't worry about that. Okay, so, 
Option number one, David. Uh, and this this is written from Jake's perspective. So when I say mm-hmm. we and I, it's not actually me, David. Don't get confused. I'll try my hardest. Now. Okay. So we called our podcast Married to Who because the four main cast members are all married. However, Jill and Alex were not married when the podcast started, but Ooh. got married about six months in. Okay. Right. Are you ready for option two, David? I'm ready for option two. Option two. We do actually have a producer, but it isn't Terry. We say Terry is the producer, just so we have a reason for having him on the podcast. Our real producer is named Jess, and she makes sure that we're all synced up and that our levels are the same. Right. Okay. Option three, David. The other main theme of our podcast is that the Marrieds had never seen Doctor Who. We admit that Alex has seen most of Doctor Who before, but we lie when we say that Sam has never seen Doctor Who. She was a fan of the Tenant years, but fell off when she was in college. Without her liking the show, we would have never been able to convince Cody to do the podcast. Okay, yeah. Okay. These are all very plausible so far, aren't they? Yeah. And option number four. Jake and Alex have a spin-off called Brothers in Who in which the two brothers watch classic Who. Jake and Alex are not brothers, and are not in fact related at all. Jake's parents and Alex's parents were best friends, so they've known each other their whole lives and consider each other brothers. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Um. Oh... Right, I, I, what, I'm going to write down which one I think it is, David. Okay. Because okay. I, I'm, I, I've got some logic behind my decision, but I don't want to share it with you till you know which one you're going for. Okay, so my, my I mean, I will definitely, I'll pick a different one if you if we end up picking the same one. Um, but my first instinct is, was it C was was. Sam was actually a fan of the Tenant Years and dropped off. Okay, yeah. That that sounds very plausible to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my first instinct. What did you go for? I, I've gone for option four. Jake and Alex aren't actually brothers. Right. That'd be quite the revelation to me if that's the well, case. That, that's what I've gone for. Now, uh, now we've shared our answers. I'll tell you my logic. Okay. Okay. Uh, if I start with, let's go with option one, okay? The fact that Jill and Alex were not married. Now, I need to be honest, I haven't listened to a lot of their early episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that is entirely possible. Yeah. I think, I think I started listening, I pretty much just started listening in parallel to where we were. And yeah, so that would have been like late tenant, early Moffat. Yeah, I've gone back and listened to a few of like my favourite episodes to see what they thought of it. Um, so I thought that was quite a plausible one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one, uh, that Terry isn't their producer. Now I'm certain when I've listened to some old episodes, they did have a producer. I'm certain there was a time before Terry was on the pod. Possibly. And there was someone else. 
I might have dreamt that up. Yeah. Okay. And then the idea that some of them have seen, that Sam has seen Doctor Who. Again, that makes sense because certainly when I've listened to their episodes and they, you know, say hello to us, she's the most vocal in listening to our show and, you know, sometimes gets in touch on Twitter. So actually, all three of those make sense. The one that doesn't make sense to me is number four, and that's why I've gone for it. Yes, okay. Now, I've I've probably listened... I, I've listened to, I, I'm pretty sure, all the Brothers in Who's, or certainly the majority. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a terrible habit, just because I have so many podcasts that I want to listen to. I, I, I'll be honest, I tend to use um, the speed increase function on my podcast... What an incredibly uh, rude thing to say! No, 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 no. It's 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 across the board as well. I do it with with most podcasts. I just find um, otherwise I don't listen to everything that I want to listen to, and that frustrates me. Um, but it does mean occasionally I will miss bits of chit chat because also my brain tends to disengage a lot more when people aren't directly talking about Doctor Who. Um, but that being said. I was under the impression that they were maybe like half brothers. Yeah, I, I, I that was the impression I got that they sh- that, but but I, I could be wrong about that. Um, so that one stuck out to me as the least plausible of the four because it went against something that I thought I already knew, but I could be wrong. It's good. Uh, it, it's this is absolutely well done, Jake. You've absolutely got into my head <laughs> and got me questioning reality so um yeah job done on on that score um what do we do if neither of us have got it right um i'll drive to your house if your wife's not there and we'll have a shirtless wrestle in the garden (laughs) either that or do we both choose a backup option okay we can do yeah yeah i was really looking forward to like queensbury rules wrestling (laughs) Well, we all know who would win that, don't we? All right, big man. Throwing it about. <laughs> that was the opposite of what I was trying to imply there. You know, I am I am the least physical man imaginable. <laughs> right. Go on, I'll let you go first. Would you okay. like option one, that Jill and Alex were not married when the pod started, or option yep. two, that there's a secret producer? I think that's the more exciting, so I'm going with that. Uh, option two is secret producer. That's my backup option. Right, so I'm going one and four. You're going two and three. Yeah, okay. Right. I might put some, like, intermission music in here whilst I just close mm-hmm. that message and open the other. Right. David. Before I read this... I just want to re-establish the rules. Yep. Okay, I think we agreed, because we'll be seeing each other next weekend, that the loser buys the winner a nice bottle of beer. We did, yep. Okay, and I'll order a crown from Amazon. (laughs) Right, here we go. David. Jake and Alex are not related to each other at (gasps) all. Their parents were best friends, and Jake spent a big chunk of his childhood at Alex's house. Jake was even in the hospital the day that Alex was born, 
so he has literally known Alex his entire life. A decade later, after some divorces, Jake's mum married Alex's dad, so they are stepbrothers, but they have no blood or legal relation. Oh, wow. Okay, wow, I didn't know that. You you, you were very close to sussing that, though. Yeah, yeah. You'd seen all but, the clues. But, but the, the, knowing that they were technically, like, um, half-brother, uh, well, step-brothers, I guess, is that... Yeah, families are confusing, aren't they? Uh, but that had made me... That actually is the thing that made me discount that. Oh, really? But, yeah. Um, so... Well, See, congratulations, Matt. I, I just thought, if they did a podcast called The Brothers in Who, where they introduce each other as their brothers, like, you know, like I say, because it was the most nonsensical one. It was yeah. the one I thought was most likely to upset me. So. Yeah, it's, it's the juiciest. So, uh, well, uh, thank you, Jake. Congratulations, Matt. You are the victor of Would I Lie to Who? I'm so happy. I wish my wife was here to see it. <laughs> She'd be very proud, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, I'd better, I'd better pick up a lovely bottle of beer for you, Matt. Yeah. Four cans of special brew would do. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Well right. then, shall we segue into meal of the week? Let's do it. Um, you know what? I'll get it out of the way. Yeah, it probably is the Jaffa cakes. I haven't had a very exciting week, food wise. Really? So let's go with that, Matt. Yeah. Um, I, it's just been work days, you know. It's uh, all of my most exciting food tends to happen on the weekend, and we haven't had a weekend since we last recorded. Yeah, I'm trying to think. In fact, I'll probably go for my lunch today as well. Mm -hmm. I went to Thomas the Baker's again. Oh, did you? Yeah, once I'd been to the opticians. But they didn't have any chicken and stuffing bakes. They're my favourite. Mm. What so, was your fallback then? Uh, so I went cheese and onion sandwich and a sausage roll. Oh, yeah. We've talked before about their cheese and onion sandwiches. Yeah. Uh, generous is the word to describe them. Yeah. Like... If anything, the bread is a bit of a burden. Just give, <laughs> just pour that filling into my face. <laughs> uh, what else have I eaten that's been nice this week? Uh, there's been a lot of just sandwiches at work and then coming home and having quick meals because my wife's mm. been working and you know. Yeah, similar sort of kind of vibe for me this week. It's bit. I think we've both just been in a bit of a survival mode week, haven't we? Yeah, I'm yeah. just on, like, autopilot, really. Yeah. But. Um, but, yeah, you know, exciting times coming. I've got a couple of birthdays in the family coming up. There should be some exciting meals off the back of that. Yeah. Two weeks today. Yeah. That'll be my birthday, don't forget. Oh, yes, yes. I, I oh, no, it'll be two weeks birthday. yesterday. Mm. It's on the Friday. I forget how close your, your birthday is to my partner's. Yeah, I'm certain in the past, like, I've tried organising things and you've had plans. Yeah, I, I, almost always. But, um, 
Uh, anyway, uh, wow. Okay, so you know, speaking of your birthday, is it time to officially launch the good ship uh, wheelie big quiz? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Wheelie big quiz. I've been waiting a whole year for this. Uh, I am positively giddy with excitement, Matt. Okay. Despite so, the fact that it also... It's very, it's a lot of pressure on me. It is. Yeah. It is. Like, imagine if we didn't make enough money for someone's, like... To meet a charity goal. Mm. Like, we almost buy a hospital bed, but it's got a wheel missing or something. <laughs> that would be disappointing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay, so, I don't know, last year I had a little script I used to read. I'll, I'll do this off-the-dome piece, David. Right. So, the Wheelie Big Quiz is an annual tradition. This is the is second it, ever it, one. Yeah. <laughs> um, today, it, it officially becomes tradition. Yeah. And I'm certain last year we used to say that we were doing a little bit of good for the world, putting a little bit of good back into the world. Yeah, to um, make up for all of the, the hours we, of, yeah. of lives we've wasted yeah, in the intervening we're months. We're so sorry. <laughs> we are. <laughs> um, so this year, our chosen charity, David, is... It's uh, Medicine Sans Frontier, a.k.a. Doctors Without Borders. Absolutely. Okay, so the rules of the game are... We are using... Taken off the shelf for the first time in nearly ten months. Mm -hmm. The Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit game. Six questions from six topics. Each one's worth one pound. Should David get all six right, the total rolls up to ten pounds. Mm -hmm. And David, you have the potential to gamble should you not meet that target. Yeah. Now, last year, last year. I never got a full six questions no. right. Because there's always a couple of absolutely bonkers ones in there um, that that you, you would have to be... I mean, there are fans out there who could do it, I'm sure, but I'm, I'm not in that same league. Um, but I, I shall do my level best, Matt. That's all people ask of you, David. Yes, indeed. Right, now... Are you sitting comfortably, David? Uh, <clears throat> I'll just have a swig of the old tea. I, I listened back to the last ever episode of Wheelie Big Quiz to make sure I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And it seemed to be a bit of a habit that I always asked that you were sitting comfortably. Right. Well, let's go for so, it then. Are you sat um, comfortably, David? As comfortable as I'll ever be, Matt. Yeah. Those hemorrhoids still giving you trouble? Uh, not, not as much <laughs> at the moment, but, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time. Right. The first question of the Wheelie Big Quiz 2021, David, yeah. comes from the topic Time Lords. Okay. When a speck of psychic pollen finds its way into the TARDIS, it manipulates Amy, Rory, and the Doctor's minds. What is the name of the dark persona that the Doctor becomes manifest? That would be the Dream Lord. David... The correct answer is the Dream Master. 
It's not, though, is it? No, it's not. I just thought I'd tease you. That was very annoying. (laughs) First pound in the bank this year, David. I said it with such confidence as well, and you just immediately wrong for it. Right, yeah. As portrayed expertly by Toby Jones. Yeah. The second question, David, comes from the topic companions. Okay. In which second Doctor story... Does Polly nearly get converted into a fish person during experiments to raise Atlantis from the sea? That would be the underwater menace. That is £2 for the week, David. Well done. (laughs) Question three comes from Episodes and Stories. Mm -hmm. What was the name of the secret organisation that Minnie Hooper and Wilfred Mott were members of in the end of time. Oh no. I'm not going to get a multiple choice on this, am I? I'm afraid not. Oh, it's something like. It's the silver something, isn't it? So, something like the, the silver. The silver cloak, maybe? David? The correct answer was the silver cloak. Yes! (laughs) I very nearly said silver network, and then at the last second I was like, no, I think it's more poetic than that. Um, Oh. I genuinely didn't think I was going to get that as you were asking it. Question four, David, comes from years and dates. Okay. Never never been my strong suit, this one. No, we know this is your area of weakness, but we'll go for it. Yeah. David... Which year did the London Eye, which the nesting consciousness uses to transmit an activation code to its autons, open to the public? Okay, so this is one of those not actually about Doctor Who questions, isn't it? It's not asking when did, when is that episode set? It's asking when did the actual tourist attraction open? Would you like me to repeat the question? Uh, Yes, please. Which year did the London Eye in which the nesting consciousness uses to transmit an active activation code to its autons, open to the public. Right, yeah, so the, so the actual, the Doctor Who element is completely incidental. The question could just be, when did, when did the London Eye open? I'm going to say, so it's, it, it was definitely, it was a millennium thing. I want to think that it was one of those things that actually opened sort of in advance of, I don't think it like opened into the year 2000. I want to say it was like 98 or 99. I'm going to say 1999. I'm going to read the answer from the card, David. Okay. 2000. Can we fact check that? It was inaugurated in December 1999, but technical problems delayed its official opening. Oh! Oh, that's frustrating. David, what I'm prepared to do is if you get the final two questions right, we'll consider it a clean sweep of six. Really? Okay, that's very generous of you. Let's give it a go. Since it's week one, this is a one-time offer. Okay. David, the fifth question comes from the topic monsters. Right. Why does, and I hope I pronounce this correctly, Mm -hmm. Sharaz Jek... The android expert on Androzani Minor wear a face mask. 
<sighs> okay. How specific does it need to be? Um, because he was certainly he was disfigured. Uh, can I just read the answer yeah. from the card, David? Re yes. He is disfigured. Yes. Okay. That's all they needed. Right. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry. I don't want to overstress you. Yeah. No. I just didn't know because I'm sure they give they give the reason like the the story behind the disfigurement in the episode, but I couldn't remember it. Okay. So. Final question, David, comes from cast, crew, and beyond. Yeah. Okay, you need this for the clean sweep. Oh, no pressure. Can you please name the two Doctor Who stories, so I'm looking for the titles of two stories, David, Yeah. that Clive Swift has appeared in? Okay, get the easy one out of the way first. Voyage of the Damned. Mm-hmm. And the other one is one of the 1980s Dalek stories where it's an R word. And I get them all confused with each other. With each other. I'm going to say Remembrance of the Daleks. David, the answer from the card is... Yep. Voyage of the Damned. Just building a bit yeah. of tension. Yeah. And Revelation of oh, the Daleks. Oh, I always get those ones confused. Ah, uh, right. Oh, so, so close and yet so far. Four pounds for the week, David. Now, a new element introduced into this year's Wheelie Big Quiz. Yeah. Would you like to gamble that four pounds? And so, is that just one more question? There is one more question that will okay. take it up to a potential ten. I'm so frustrated. I don't want to start... I Look, okay, it's... I was so close to getting the ten pounds. But then, do I throw the four in the bin? For the sake, oh. I'm I'm going to be honest, David. You're not going to yeah. lose the four pounds. I'm not going to totally eradicate your efforts. It's uh, for okay. charity. All right. When all I right. say, do you want to gamble? There's there's no real loss. Okay, other than, then other than if you get it wrong, I'm going to peck your glasses off like a pesky goose. <laughs> Next time I see you. I mean, hopefully I've got a new pair by then, because as I say, that would definitely do this pairing. Well, you never know. You might need another new pair when I'm finished <laughs> with you. All right, OK. Let's go for it then. Let's gamble. Right. I'm going to pick one of my notebooks at random, David. OK. Now, because you got four questions right, I can read you four lines of an episode description from my notes. I'd forgotten about this feature, but yeah, I'm up for it. This. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to flick through. I'm going to pick a story at random. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Line one. Amy is running. Okay. That narrows it down a bit. You know, we're, we're in the series five to seven range. Okay. Okay. Line two, it looks like she's been shot. Okay, right. Mm. Okay, next one. 
She has tallies on her arm. Okay, right. No, I can picture the scene. And the that final line... Be... I don't think I need it. No, go, go for it, though, just to, to knock it in. She has been hunted coffee. by Canton. Okay, yeah, so... It's not the first episode of that two-part, The Impossible Astronaut. It is the second part, Day of the Moon. David, the answer is The Impossible Astronaut. Really? Nah, I'm just kidding you again. It's Day of the Moon. Congratulations, David. That's £10. What a relief. Do you like it when I play little tricks like that on you? No, I find it really frustrating. <laughs> I get no enjoyment out of that whatsoever. For, for a single second, did you ever think you were wrong? Or did you just think I was being a bit of an idiot? No, I, I, no, I immediately... Like I say, it just makes me question reality at that point. Um, I was confident up until that moment. But, uh, yeah, no, it doesn't take much to knock my confidence. Right. Well, wow. I, I'm okay. just going to go to justgiving.com. There's a link on our Twitter. And just mm-hmm. put £10 in there, David. Well done. Awesome. Why, why, why don't you do that as well, listener? If you can afford it, that would be amazing. Yeah. If, uh, if you're not in a situation where you can afford to donate, please don't feel that you have to. Um, what we tend to say is... Donate an amount of money that you wouldn't notice if it fell out of your wallet. You know, if it's if that's fifty p pound, you know, three quid. That what's that? A cup of coffee, whatever you're comfortable donating. But you know, it's um, it's for a good cause, and and you know there are some incentives on there as well as we discussed last week. Um, yeah. We're already sort of trying to hatch a timetable for when we might have time to record some of the bonus episodes that we've got uh, we've got planned. Um, and there are some special bo- bonuses for people who 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 want to dig deep and uh, donate a bit more, isn't there, Matt? Can you yeah. remind the listeners of so those? So any donation of £25, whoever gives that amount will be invited to suggest the topic for a bonus episode. Yeah. That's got to be worth twenty five quid, hasn't it? Like any, and and to be fair, that that is wide open, isn't it? Any, any Doctor Who related thing you want to, us to discuss, mm-hmm. um, that like, could be, you you know, it could be a, a book, a comic, um, a, a big Finnish audio drama. You know, what what if someone just makes us watch the woman who fell to earth again? Like, you could do that. It's only been a week or so. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, honestly, the only thing that I, the only thing that I would say um, we we would veto is um, episodes of New Who that we haven't got to yet on the podcast. Yeah. Because we will be getting that round to those, you know, as part of the natural order of things. And look, let let us be honest, David. If someone's like, "Oh, I really want them to do Torchwood," here's twenty five pounds. Guess what? We're nearly at the end of Doctor Who. We're going to do Torchwood anyway. Save you money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, it's probably worth making that clear as well. But there's tons of other stuff out there that we've that I would I'd like to do, but I haven't found the excuse for yet. You know, Scream of the Shalker. 
um, the David Tennant animated episodes, uh, the Peter Cushing movies. Well, I'd love an excuse to do those. Um, so if there's any any anything like that out there that you particularly love us to have a crack at, um, then do consider that. Now, if you were to double that pledge to fifty pounds, David, you get a lovely invite to an online dinner party with us. <laughs> and when I say us, it'll probably be me. You'll probably be busy. Um, I will. I, I. I. will do my absolute level best to to um, make the time for it. When, but you know, it's hard to schedule things when you when you're parenting yeah. and working full time. And quite potentially, it could mean that we have to get up at like two in the morning, David, to meet people <laughs> in America or Australia. <laughs> I hadn't even considered that, but yes, um, yeah. what fun that would be. Uh, but yeah, no, that would that would be great. So yeah. yeah, those are the individual goals. Currently, we're working to our first collective goal of one hundred pounds. And again, in keeping with the spirit of tradition, if we reach that, I will drink a pint of baked beans on pod. Yeah. We've got to make that happen. I, I, you know what? I might be chipping in just to, to nudge that along because I, I feel like there is um, that's a score to be settled there. We need to restore the natural balance. But wait, David, that's not all. Is it not? No. This is a surprise just for you. Okay. You know, in the past, we've had people that play this game against you and donate based mm -hmm. on however much money they make, uh, you know, compared to your score. Yeah. I can confirm, David, next week we're going to have a bonus quiz master. Oh, okay. Because, hopefully, if we get this organised, next week, David, all questions mm -hmm. will be supplied by BT Flibbity Giggard. Oh, the curator himself. Yeah. I have oh, welcomed no. the curator to submit questions for my approval mm -hmm. for next week's Wheelie Big Quiz. I thought oh. I might reach out to people and ask if they wanted to submit questions. Yeah, I mean, that's great, but also that that's going to be tough, I reckon. Yeah, well, I have specified that they pretty much just need to do, like, episodes we've watched because uh, I don't know what you've read and what you've seen and stuff mm -hmm. like that majority of classics on the table at this point i haven't quite finished off the seventh doctor era and there are there are a, a lot of the more, more missing stories or par partially or fully missing ones i haven't yet experienced but majority of classic i've done at this point so it's um, david versus the world this year oh yeah thanks for that man <laughs> But as we say, it is all for a good cause, and I do, I do have fun doing it. Um, right then, I think it is probably time to talk about some big spooky spiders. What do you reckon? Yeah, I don't think we've got anything else on the docket. No. So, um, should we should we turn to our listeners first? What did uh, they make of this episode? Uh, well, I will tell you in a moment when I unlock my phone, mm -hmm. find the message. And read it out. Did you know that I put a poll on Twitter for who's going to win Would I Lie to Who? And currently, 75% uh, of people were backing me. Mm, well, they, they, they backed correctly there. 
There was only four people, so don't feel too disheartened, Dave. Um, well, talking of Twitter polls, you, you, you saw the one that I, I randomly put on Twitter earlier this week. Uh, it just was a thought that, that struck me, uh, and uh, I wanted to kind of uh, tap the Twitter hive mind. Uh, and that was in relation to the act of just biting into a two-finger Kit Kat as though it were regular chocolate bar. For a while, it was neck and neck, but by the time the poll closed, there were 20 whole votes on there, um, and it was 35% saying that it was a joyous act of rebellion, 65% saying it was appalling barbarism. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You're an absolute mm. slug if you eat it like that. I'm not saying every time, just sometimes it's fun to, to mix it up a bit. Um... I mean, you, you can't talk Mr. Shoes Off in the cinema. Yeah, I noticed that got dragged up. Yeah. Everyone, everyone was like, oh, well, it is bad. <laughs> I'll tell you what, in, an, like, act, in an act of, what did you call it? Barbarism. Yeah. I, tomorrow, when I go watch Bond, it's shoes and socks off. How do you like them? <laughs> right? And this is your doing. You've caused this. <laughs> Uh, Reclining chairs you... so the feet will be up in the air. I hope you get thrown out of the building and for I'm that. I'm not even going to clip idea. my toenails in the bath tonight. <laughs> Alrighty then. You got some tweets for us? We do. So, the first one, David, comes from James Swift. Now, recently, James Swift's begun to respect the rules a little bit again. So I'm quite mm. happy to say James Swift has been swift this week. Congratulations, James. Okay. Do you want to say hello to James, David? Well, I've congratulated him. Is that not enough? Does he need a hello as well? Yeah, it's like everyone listens to this bit for the hellos. <laughs> hello, James. Okay. So, James says, This is an episode I know not a lot of people enjoy, but I really love. The Doctor is all kinds of endearing, and the spiders look amazing. Yep. We're just moving on. Yeah, th thumbs up. Let's okay. bring that one back. Okay. Uh, next message is from Amy. Hello, Amy. There we go. Amy says, as a person utterly terrified of spiders, this was a very creepy episode on that front. I found myself agreeing with the villain to shoot and kill the spiders. <laughs> I found the doctor's idea that it's more humane to starve the spiders to be dumb. Yet mm. only Robertson thought that. Yeah, thumbs up. That, that we we will get to that. Don't worry. We will get to the doctor's plan in due course. Okay. We then have a message from Kimberly. Say hello, David. Hello, Kimberly. Who says this had to be the only new Who episode I've purposely not watched. Forty-five mm -hmm. minutes of being freaked out every second. No thanks. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, if you're genuinely arachnophobic. This is going to be a tough watch, for sure. Right. Um, we then have James Courtney. Say hello, David. Hello, James. Psst, psst. By the way, James, I'm probably going to ask you to submit some really big quiz questions, so uh, keep an eye on your inbox. Excellent. Sorry, that was a private conversation, David, between me and James Courtney. Sorry, sorry. You shouldn't, I wasn't have, you shouldn't have been eavesdropping on that. No, no. Okay, James says, It's okay, just far too stuffed. 
There are so many characters and they mostly serve little purpose. We get to learn a little about Yaz, but not a lot. I'd have loved more from her family. Yaz forgets she's a police officer when the Americans start waving guns around. What happened to her firm attitude from episode 1? Talking of Americans, Robertson is a slightly strange character, some half-Trump parody that doesn't have enough thematic reasoning to be satisfying. Mm. And his niece, the second LGBT character this series, is also the second to have death surrounding them. Lastly, yep. it's TARDIS time. One of the issues they had with this set was that the orange lights turned out pink on camera. They had to colour the... Cor Sorry, they had to colour correct in most episodes this series. Although in rewatch, it looked like it didn't happen for this one. The crystals appeared pinker. I didn't know that fact. That's interesting. I should have saved that for uh, a <laughs> really big quiz question. <laughs> yeah, they did have a pinkish look to them in that final scene. Mm. Right. The next one comes from Frank. Say hello, David. Hello, Frank. Who says, it's hard to say because it is entertaining, it's just not very engaging. Big Spiders isn't a very inspired threat, but I'm always up for an environmental message. There's at least some funny jokes and good banter to stop it from being completely forgettable. Yeah. Thumbs up. Right. And the last one comes from BT Flibbity Giggard. Say hello, David. Greetings, curator. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Mm. Are we going to make that a thing every week? Oh, well, we can try. I'll probably forgotten by next week, but you never know. Okay. BT says, a great, if typical, Doctor Who episode with one baffling sour note. But before I get to the issues with the ending, I'll just gush a bit about literally everything else. Arachnids in the UK is one of those episodes that's so typically Doctor Who that it's going to remind you of other episodes, and that's okay. It's a combination of the classic base under siege, once everyone gets to the hotel, which is always fun, and it also owes a lot to the third Doctor's Earth-based storytelling. The expert of the week, the corrupt corporate executive who refuses to listen to anyone, the sci-fi things... Uh, sorry, I pressed a button on my phone and it went off there. I'll start that again. The expert of the week, the corrupt corporate executive who refuses to listen to anyone, the sci-fi things happening in a normal environment, it's all very Third Doctor. And as someone who really likes that era, I was always going to like this episode. And okay, basically, it's just the green death with spiders instead of maggots, but there can be more than one corporation dumps toxic waste in a disused mind plotline in Doctor Who. Robertson is an effective villain, and I think he's characterised far better than usual for Doctor Who anti-corporation plotlines. Instead of being straight up evil or just dumb, he's grounded in the casual carelessness and cruelty of mega-rich business owners. He uses disused minds as dumps and doesn't have proper oversight because he doesn't care. He casually fires Yaz's mother for being in the wrong place at the wrong time because he doesn't care. Of course, he would rather not have mutant spiders in his hotel... It's bad for business after all, but he's more concerned about the potential bad press and about avoiding responsibility than actually dealing with the way his business practices caused the problem to happen in the first place. Speaking of dealing with the problem, though. Oh boy, we have to talk about that mess of an ending. Okay, so everything's going nicely. 
They have a plan to get the spiders to an isolated area. Then the doctor and the spider scientist give the most baffling definition of humane I've ever heard. Okay, so the doctor doesn't want to shoot the human-eating spiders and give them a humane death. Fine. But in what universe is starving the spiders, condemning them to a long, painful death or cannibalism, humane by any definition? Why the heck do none of the companions notice how messed up that this is? Not to mention how messed up that is for any kids in the audience who have had to deal with their pet being put down due to old age. Hey kids, the doctor says that your doggy being put down, which your parents probably framed as merciful, right thing to do, was actually evil, and Fido should have had a long lingering death. Not to mention that whole mutant spider thing is more akin to getting rid of a rabid animal than anything else. These spiders aren't sentient, there's no reasoning with them. And magic mutation reversal button? They could have introduced the TARDIS zoo that occasionally pops up in the books. Just have the Doctor throw the spiders a steak or something every once in a while. Practically any solution would have been less disturbing to me, and the fact that Chibnall, who wrote this episode, didn't seem to clock it as an issue at all, is incredibly disappointing. The episode itself is solid, but the morality present in it is disturbingly sloppy. And that moral sloppiness is a recurring problem that I have with the Chibnall era. Yeah, thumbs up. Uh, we'll we'll get to our own thoughts on that in due course. I think, um, yeah, I I think that is something of a theme that you might you might see popping up every now and then. So be prepared for that, Matt. Um, okay, so that all being said, what did you make of this episode, Matt? I'm going to use one of our lesser-used ratings, David. Ooh, lay it on me. No emotional attachment. Right? It was just there. It was just there. I, I watched it, and then it was over. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I can see how that would... Uh, how it could leave you like that, because it's... It's not an ambitious episode of Doctor Who, it's fair to say. You know, it's fairly contained. It's a pretty standard sort of B-movie type threat. Just big, big spiders. And that's either going to work for you or not as a premise. Um, for me, I'm going to say... Good episode, some glaringly awful bits. Okay. Not just bad, genuinely, like, almost episode-ruiningly bad. Do, but Do you think this is the worst episode we've seen in this series? Parts of it, I would say, are some of the best that we've had so far this series. In all honesty, I think a lot of the script is very good. I think it has some of the best humour. I think uh, Jodie Whittaker is given the most doctory stuff to do that she's had so far this series so far one of my frustrations early on in, in series 11 was because there are so many companions and guest characters to juggle in in 50 minutes every single week that the doctor herself was getting sidelined and i think she's a little more front and center in this one which is good um and she gets some really good scenes um but yeah, but there are other aspects of it that are so bad 
that it makes it hard to forgive. So it's, I, I, I have a hard time making my mind up, basically. I, w- I want to say, like, with, a, with another... Dra- <laughs> he just had one more draft, another pair of eyes on it. It could have been a great episode. Uh-huh. As it is, it's a bit of a frustrating one. That being said, let's just get stuck into it, Matt. Okay, so this is Arachnids in the UK. This is episode four of season 11 from the 28th of October, 2018. Now, if you wanted to go back, David, to the 27th of October, 2018, you could listen to our fourth episode, Governments and Gases. Yeah. Oh, well, the Slovene two-parter. Yeah, Aliens of London, World War Three. Seems like yeah. forever ago, doesn't it? Yeah, back when we tried to do a two-parter in a, in a single episode. Yeah, and it was about half an hour long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Back when our pod was good. Mm. Okay, this is written by Chris Chibnall and directed by, I hope I pronounced this correctly, Sally Aprahamian. I think that's how you say it, yeah. And I will say, good direction on this episode. Mm. I think she's a big step up from uh, what we had on, on the Ghost Monument and Rosa. See, I think, if I was if I had to say the one thing I didn't like about this episode, yeah, I don't think the CGI is very good. Really? I would disagree with you on that. I, yeah, I thought the spiders looked a bit chunky and... Uh, I don't know. I, I, but I mean, to to be fair, I have eyesight problems and a small television, so I'm yeah. not the best judge when it comes to CGI. Um, but uh, I don't think I don't. Th- I think it's. I mean, it's uh, it's not like it's uh, RTD era levels of of shabbiness. No, there's one bit. I think it's where Graham's in the corridor. And he's trying to yeah. capture one of the spiders. Right, and yeah. And we see it approach. And I was just like, ugh. Like, I could see I think... all the all the strings being pulled there. <sighs> right, yeah, yeah. I think, I think the danger is when you can do CGI to a high level on television, and I would say this is to a high level, if you become too reliant on it, you you end up with so many effects shots in that you're more likely for a dodgy one or two to slip through the net. And there is a lot of CGI in this. You know, once the spider's plotline gets up and running, that you know there are a lot of shots of of CGI spiders scuttling around, and it only takes one or two slightly dodgy ones to to jump out at you to leave you with the impression of oh the CGI wasn't up to snuff. Uh-huh. Whereas actually, if you if you looked at it sort of frame by frame, by and large, it's actually very high quality, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I I I I I I will defer to other people's judgment on that. It d- certainly it it was good enough that it didn't at any moment take me out of the episode. That's all I can ask of of CGI really. And then just before we do get into the episode, one question I have. Yes. And I'm certain we've talked about another one, but is this the first episode since the Lazarus experiment where it's not an alien, it's just a big spider? Oh, did we have one in between? I feel like we discussed an episode where we we had this exact same question. 
Yeah. In, in maybe later Moffat, but I can't remember off the top of my head now. Mm. It's certainly it's one of those rarer ones where yeah, technically there's it. It's just it's it's bad science. It's not. Uh, it's there's no extraterrestrial element. Right. Would last week's count with Rosa? Because was that just a man from the future? Yeah, but you got time travel there. You couldn't yeah. exactly call that a pure historical, could you? No. No. So. Um, Big spiders. Yeah, yeah. It is very Pertwee. I will say the the people who were who were making reference to this being a, a sort of a sort of third Doctor type story, it really is. I just needed Johnny Whitaker bombing it about in a wheelchair. <laughs> Pertwee's <laughs> finest hour. I would I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to that for sure. All right. Right. Let's, let's do this. Okay. So there is a discussion between a man in a position of power and Frankie to make it disappear. The first scene of this episode made no sense to me. Nope. I mean it's, it's all it's filled in much... later on, but they're yeah. just like, make it disappear. I'm an important man. You are not important. Make it disappear. Yeah, I like I liken a sort of in media res opening. Um, it's not the most action packed version of that, but but I, I prefer to be dropped into a story and and for the writer to have faith that I will figure stuff out rather than having to sort of like gently usher me in. Um, but that's yeah, it's a personal preference thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. Okay. Do uh, you recognise the actor who plays Jack Robertson in this? No. He's apparently a big name, and like people were making a big deal about him being a guest performer in this, and and I, I think he's most famous for being in Sex and the City. Okay. Right. Which, to be honest, you know, not 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 a show I've ever bothered with. No. Don't don't really think I'm the target market for that one. No. Not really my cup of tea, but... So, Nadja arrives to check they're all okay and is immediately fired as general manager. Yeah. And even in my notes, I've just written, this is all very odd. Yes, it definitely is. Okay. So then we see a bit of TARDIS flight all going a bit wrong. Well, is it going wrong? Well, exactly. They do land in Sheffield yeah. 30 minutes after they'd last left. And can I say, I don't think the time vortex has ever looked lovelier. Really? I love that. It's all like Just... honeycomb and... Yeah, I love that idea that it's more like a network rather than just like this weird single tunnel, which is what we've tended to see in the past. Yeah, it's a bit more like Bill and Ted. Yeah. Okay. So, the Doctor says goodbye to them all until Yaz invites them for tea. Yeah. Graham decides he wants to go home. He wants a little bit of time to think about Grace and just collect his thoughts. Yeah. Can I say, I loved Whitaker's performance in that scene as well, where she's just sort of going like, right, okay, well, guess I'm, I'm off in my box then and, like, dragging her heels. And the second Yaz says, do you want to pop round for a cup of tea? She's just immediately... I, I just wish yeah. Whitaker would calm down a bit. <laughs> like, because when Yaz says, oh, do you want to come for tea? She's like, yeah, going for tea at Yaz's. Never been for tea at Yaz's. I'm like, just... 
You're running at a 10. Take it down <laughs> to a 7. Matt, all I'm going to say is you might be waiting a while. Great. Maybe you just need a, a certain level to accept that this is going to be this Doctor's personality to an extent. Yeah, in the same way when Capaldi came around and I was just like, he needs to go up a level. Yeah. I, I just I, feel... To me, it's more like, it's, it's you know, it's no different to early Matt Smith energy. Yeah. Where he was bouncing off the walls a lot of the time. Yeah. We'll get there. I'm sure yeah. it'll be fine. So, when they go to Yaz's house, there's a distressed lady out in the block of flats called Jade. Um, she's quite clearly distressed and having a bad time. So, they just ignore her and go into Yaz's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, she's on the phone just like going, I'm so worried. I'm stood outside <laughs> Anna's flat and she's not answering the door. I haven't been able to get in touch. And they're just like, oh, excuse me. Can we just get past, please? <laughs> just just go into Yaz's instead. <laughs> right. Yaz's dad is absolutely mad about rubbish. Mm-hmm. Whereas her sister is, like, just a bit over-familiar. Like, if yeah. I went to a friend's house and they had a sibling that was behaving like that, I don't think I'd enjoy it. I guess she's just meant to be sort of... Uh typical moody teen mm. kind of thing. And then we find out that Nadja from earlier is Yaz's mum. And it was yes, actually indeed. a big posh hotel that she was being sacked from. Yeah. Okay. Then the one... I don't know. I said no emotional attachment. But the one bit I liked this episode was Bradley Walsh and his performance of grieving where he sees grace around the house mm. yeah yeah it's a really i mean bradley walsh does a great you know gives a great performance there the the actor who plays grace i feel so bad that i can't remember her name but she's she's very good and understated sagan akinola's score again lovely understated i mean no, you know, no offense to Murray Gold fans, but he would be hitting you over the head with "This is how you must feel," yeah. um, and we don't get that here. And and uh, Sally Aprahamian's uh, direction as well—it all just knits together perfectly. And there are a lot of scenes in this episode where I just feel like everyone is actually bringing their A game here. Mm. The the sole exception I feel like is Chris Chibnall, who's. He's done all right. I'm not saying I could do better, but... Um, it's not his finest it's, hour. It's not his finest hour, no. No. Um, but, yeah, and, and I like... The other thing that I, I, I was going to say about this scene where the Doctor's uh, in Yaz's flat um, with Yaz's family is I relate so hard <laughs> to her just babbling inanely. Because she's like, this is what small talk is, right? This is how people are supposed to talk, behave with each other. Um, yeah. It's all right. You did okay today. We had a good chat about the opticians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that was a normal conversation, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so I do... 
I like that about this doctor that she is quite socially awkward. She doesn't do small talk well. Um, and she, she can be just be out of her depth with people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I th- think back to in, in the ghost monument where she's so wrapped up in the emergency situation on, on the spaceship when they've gotten scooped and she just forgets that Yaz was even there, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I relate to that, and 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 I already by this point, I I really had quite warmed to her doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a question, David. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Pakaras? They're okay, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be ordering them over a samosa, or an onion bhaji, or or. Uh, See, for me, Something. it goes Baji, Pakora, Samosa. Really? You're not a Samosa person? Uh, they're hit and miss. A good Samosa is great. A bad Samosa is like... Mm. Can ruin your day. But, I mean, I can, I'm, I can only attest to the vegetable ones, to be fair. It's a very long time since I've had, like, a lamb Samosa or anything. Mm. I'm having Chinese takeaway for tea tonight. Ah. Oh. Good, 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 I, I good thought choice. I thought you were just going to let that hang like an out of context yeah. comment, just like, sure. just like uh, I'm wearing blue socks today. I mean, to Moving be fair, on. I don't I don't have a lot to say about it. I'm not not big on Chinese takeaway. Really, I, it doesn't agree with me, Matt. Oh, I'm, I, I I love it. Mm. Yeah, my partner. It's one of the few things that me and my partner really struggle with sometimes is sometimes she just really wants a Chinese and I'm like I mean I guess I'll have some chips and I'll cook myself an egg or something but it's like I can't yeah there's nothing on on a typical Chinese menu that I'd actually want to order not any salt and chilli prawns or a bit of squid not for me thanks Uh, sweet and sour chicken Mm, no Szechuan beef I mean, you're being silly, aren't you, Matt? I'm just running through the options. I don't know. You might never have tried some of these. I mean, no, I haven't tried any of the ones that have got dead animals in, no. I, yeah, I, I do apologise. I forgot. <laughs> I, that, that was actually a mistake. On was that a genuine... I, I, yeah. I thought you were trolling me. <laughs> no, I was just going through things that I would order and see whether you'd like them. <laughs> no. That that was a mistake on my part. <laughs> to be fair, there's not a lot of vegetarian stuff from the Chinese. No, that's the thing, and that's something I struggle with. Um, you could have a pot of crispy seaweed. Yeah, it, it, it's not enough for me. It's like no. not when you know, not when if I if I've got the option to order takeaway, you know, and someone's advocating for Chinese, but I'm like, but you know. There is so much good Indian food. You could get like, a nice egg foo young. I, you see, I don't like the texture. I've had them, but it's, they're so rubbery. I was going to say, what's not to like? It's like an omelette, but burnt. Yeah, no, it's not. I, I feel like you shouldn't do that to eggs. It's not fair on them. Anyway, let's Well, listener, on, if you have any suggestions what David can get from the Chinese takeaway, get in touch. <laughs> Or yeah, yeah, timenospacepod at gmail.com or at timenospacepod on Twitter. <laughs>
<laughs> so anyway, yeah. So uh, Yaz's dad cooking up some pakoras. Yeah. So the doctor goes to pick up a parcel for him from next door but one. Mm-hmm. And this is where we bump into Jade again. Yeah. Oh, now all of a sudden the doctor's interested. Yeah. <laughs> so she's locked out of Anna's flat and Anna appears to be missing. Yeah. So the doctor unsheathes the sonic screwdriver from her <laughs> quiver. She does need like some kind of scabbard or something for it, doesn't she? Yeah. And, you know, points it at the door, unlocks it. Yeah. They can all go in. And when they do, there's lots and lots of cobwebs. Mm-hmm. And also Anna's in bed all wrapped up in cobwebs and dead. Yeah. Also, Ryan is here. Have we mentioned that yet? Uh, yeah, it's his turn to be the background character this week. It's a very light episode for Ryan. Though, I will say, he gets my favourite moment of the whole episode. And I wonder if you spotted it. We will get to it. We'll get there. A, a little bit later, yeah. Okay. So, Anna's all wrapped up in bed, all dead. And they start to hunt for the spider. And when they find it, it's giant. Yeah. Okay. It's a big spider for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a domestic yeah. spider. It's not harmful. Yeah. And they managed to trap it. How would you feel if you saw a spider as big as a cat like that one? I would, if it was in my living room, I'd lock the back door. I'd go to my shed. I'd get a, <laughs> I'd get a cricket bat. <laughs> and it wouldn't be alive for very long. You'd shorter the dead it, would you? I'd have a cricket bat in one hand and, like, my grass strimmer in the other, like my <laughs> weed whacker, and I'd just be flaying. Uh, yeah. I don't know what I'd do because, you see, I I don't like... I don't like just swatting insects. I am one of those suckers that will, you know, chase a wasp around with a, with a, with a pint glass and, a, and a, an envelope for... 10 minutes rather than just whacking it um but i i mean i don't think i i I have a receptacle large enough to do that with maybe a mixing bowl no i wouldn't want to risk it what if it's one of if one of its legs poked out i wouldn't like that um have i ever told you the story about when a frog got in my house no you have never told me the story. right well um confession time one yes. one of my main phobias is frogs and toads really yeah I, that's I, an interesting I, one i really don't like them like they really upset me is uh, it is it like a skin texture thing it, it's just everything about them they're just awful <laughs> um but there was one day where i'd gone out to the bins to put some rubbish in the bin uh-huh. I'd left my back door open, and when I was coming back through my garden, I could see this big frog. Yeah. Um, but because I was moving back towards the door, it must have thought I was chasing it. So it mm-hmm. came through the door into my house. Um, and then it went under... I've got one of those big cuddle chairs, which is basically just like a big bed in my front room. Um, yeah. And it went under there. Now, the thing is, because that chair is like on a swivel pivot, it's really heavy. And I was worried if I'd like lifted it up wrong, I would have like ground this frog into my uh, carpet. Mm, right. So, so I really didn't know what to do. 
So I just had to like awkwardly wait till this frog came back out of hiding and then just put it in a mixing bowl. <laughs> and then I would I did what I would describe as like a hammer throw when I had the mixing bowl in my hand and just <laughs> launched this frog to the far end of my garden. Ah, oh, poor thing. Yeah. Do you know how to tell the difference between frogs and toads? Is is it to do with their eyes? It's not. It's to do with their gait. Okay. Uh, f- uh, frogs hop and toads walk. Ah. ah. I wondered if it was like crocodiles and alligators, because that's to do with their eyes. Is it? What's to do, wh- Al- what Alligators do are on the program? top of their head. Uh, no, it must be crocodiles on the top of their head, alligators on the side. Ah, I didn't it's know that. something like that. It's the ones that live in water, so it must be crocodiles. Yeah. Have them on the top so they can see while still submerged. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm certain. And then they have like their nostrils on the top as well, mm-hmm. rather than the side. We're learning a lot this episode, aren't we? Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think if I've got any other animal facts. Do you want to know a good fact I learnt this week? Yes, go right, for it. This and then is, we'll get back on this track. This is the best fact I've learnt this week. You know, mm. you know when we measure something in weight, if yes. it's in grams, we put a little G. Yeah. But if it's in pounds, we put LBS. Yes. Do you know why we put LBS rather than a P for pounds? Um... It'll be some Latin nonsense, won't it? It is. It comes from Libra, you know, the set of scales. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, so LBS, because I'm certain in, like, old Rome or Greece or somewhere, it would be known as, like, I weigh 10 Libras rather than 10 pounds. Right, yeah, okay, makes sense. No, I didn't didn't know the specifics, but, uh, yeah. Every day's a school day. Yes, indeed. Right. Um... Right then, so what? There's big spiders. Yeah, <laughs> Graham arrives because there was a big spider in his house. Yeah, it turns out Jade I... is a spider expert. Yeah, that's handy, isn't it? Yeah, because she. What you really need, David, when there's uh, giant spiders running around everywhere, is a spider expert to tell you there's something wrong with all the spiders. <laughs> No, they would have never worked that out otherwise. She is stealing a living. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, she is quite integral to the plot as we get as we get on. But what I think it is worth noting is this script very much relies on one massive coincidence, which is that Yaz's mum got the job as, you know, hotel manager for this. Uh, big fancy hotel you know i'm not this isn't me me sort of doubting uh yas's mum's abilities on any level it's just you know out of everyone in sheffield and the surrounding area it's specifically yas's mum that got that job Mm. and it doesn't ever really get addressed that that it's a handy coincidence (laughs) that she's already embroiled in this story um but anyway yeah right so, uh, Graham, whilst at home, found a note from Ryan's dad. Yeah. He passes it on, but Ryan doesn't want to read it. Yeah. 
Okay, we then see Frankie from earlier on. She is investigating something when a big spider comes and gets her. Yay, well done, Chibnall. You've introduced a gay character and immediately killed them. Yeah. Is that like a trope I need to watch out for every week? Like the the one Prior, interesting character okay. being killed off every week. Prior to this series coming out, Chibnall and the production team talked a big game about LGBT representation. Mm-hmm. So far this series, we have had one character who said they were gay and had a tragic backstory and then nothing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then this episode, we've had we've had someone where it was referenced that, that they were gay and then they're killed, you know, killed off in their second scene. And then that's that for this episode. Have you ever heard the term "bury your gays"? No. It's it's um, within media criticism. It's it it is a trope basically that, um, in the same way as as black characters often end up being more expendable on shows than white characters. It's just this thing that creators aren't necessarily doing it intentionally, but there is a tendency towards those characters being seen as more disposable because they tended to be more peripheral because your main heroes would be the straight white characters and it would be their friends and their compatriots and the people they meet along the way who would who would be different in some way and because they are more expendable in script terms because they're not the main character they're more likely to end up getting bumped off um so it is a bit of a problem and it is frustrating. I would care a bit less had they not trumpeted about it beforehand. Whereas when you look at the RTD and Moffat eras, which are not without their flaws, but, you know, series one, you know, you've got a scene with Jack giving the Doctor a full kiss on the lips. And yes, it was... It was I mean, you open to interpretation as, as the level of romance within, you know, intended within that kiss. But the point, it's still there. And, you know, Jack was not subtle as a character. Um, and, you know, plenty more besides. It, 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 I, I'm not being very articulate, but you know what I mean. I, like, I get where it, you're coming from, yeah. It's like... Doctor Who didn't already had probably I would say a better than average track record with this kind of stuff prior to Chibnall coming on board, or at the very least, no worse than any other mainstream TV show. And the fact that it was with for a family audience as well, you know, you look at something like um, Vastra and Jenny. Yeah, it wasn't perfect um, in terms of of uh, representation, but. At the end of the day, they were they were a strong, believable um, married couple uh-huh. on primetime BBC One family viewing. And here we've got a character that that we don't get time to, to know or give a shit about. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm married to a lady. Oops, I'm dead. Great. Thanks, Chibnall. I bet that's really made people feel represented and understood. <laughs> You've really uh, moved... 
move things forward there for everyone. Uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Let's crack on. Right. So, Yaz goes... Oh, no, sorry. We have a scene where Frankie is investigating something when a big spider gets her. We've talked about that, haven't we? We have, And yeah. then Yaz goes to pick her mum up when the powerful man from earlier and his security man pulls a gun on her. Yeah. And then, you might have to explain this for me. I'll try. Is Jade trying to make spiders live forever? I can't remember, to be honest. You know what? Is this is this a start of the scene in the lab? Yeah, it's like where it's like, oh, we're going to make super strong yeah. uh, spider uh, silk. Okay, I think that was the moment that I popped out to get a glass of squash. Right. Well, <laughs> So um, I can't really help you with that. I'll tell you another thing that's starting to work me. And it sounds okay. like I'm really raining on Jodie Whittaker's parade, and I'm not. No, no, it's fine. She needs to stop name-dropping historical figures. Yes, yeah. Where it's like, oh, I've had trouble with this, and so has Amelia Earhart. Just, mm. just, no, no. Just stop that. To to be fair, it is something that... Uh, at the very least, Third Doctor onwards. I want to say Second Doctor's done it on occasion as well. Maybe even First Doctor. I can't remember. But certainly, it's not a new thing. It's, uh, But it's been every episode so far, yeah. this series. And uh, I, I'd say you get maybe three or four per series I think is fair is reasonable because you do them right they can it can be fun color they can be nice little gags and it's very consistent and and, and the nice thing that the thing that I do like about those lines is that from a fan's perspective is like oh is that the doctor just um spinning a yarn is that a genuine story that Maybe someone will go ahead and write one day, you know. That's fun to think about. But every episode, it gets a bit tiresome. Mm. Right. You know, last week it was it was Elvis's mobile phone. Week before that, it was Audrey Hepburn's sunglasses. It's, yeah, it's constant. Yeah. So um, the, the other thing I wanted to mention about this scene, because I don't think you did... Because if it's not in your notes, um, and I'm not surprised that it wouldn't be, uh, but um, my favourite moment of the entire episode is whilst all that exposition is going on in the foreground, in the laboratory, in the background, Ryan's found a projector and he's making little shadow puppets. Yes, I did notice that. Yeah, I love it. I don't know if that was improvisation from Tosin Cole or the director or, or whoever, but... It is delightful. <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing else to say about it. It just <laughs> genuinely, it just, it, 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 I, it, the first time I watched the episode, just like ah, oh, I, I feel like, like I learned more about Ryan in that one moment than all of the family drama stuff in the preceding episodes. See, the other thing that annoys me with Ryan is yeah. isn't he meant to be about seventeen or something? He looks, Maybe. he looks about 40. 
Yeah, I think certainly Tozin Cole is playing younger than his actual age. Which, to be fair, uh, is the same's true for Mandip Gill, who plays Yaz. I forget exactly. I'm, I'm going to look it up now because I, I was blown away when I found out how old she was. 84. <laughs> She'd be looking very good she for her age. She just looks before. incredible for her age. Because um, I think Yaz as a character is meant to be like early 20s or something, would we say? Yeah. Oh, I guess about the same age as, as Ryan, because they, they went to the same primary school, so there's at most sort of two, three years difference between them. Um, So I would think we would say early... Yeah, but she was born in, in 1988. She's 33. Yeah. She certainly seems to be playing younger than that, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's she's She is at most mid-twenties in this uh, in this story um but to be honest i think probably given given how ryan is and stuff i feel like they must be both around that sort of 19 to 22 23 age bracket mm-hmm. right the doctor thinks the spiders are trying to send them a message but they can't communicate so she draws the lines on the map to show all the places the spiders have appeared. Mm. And right in the centre is a big posh hotel. Oh. So back at the hotel, Yaz and her mum hear a noise and it's a giant spider. And what the, a surprise! Yeah. Another one. And the doctor arrives at the hotel. Yeah. The big business boss man also hears a noise and again. Mm. It's a giant spider that erupts from his bath. Yeah. And, and again, I feel like I'm being really negative this week. I don't mean to. I didn't mm. like the fact that whenever she talks, the doctor refers to Yaz's mum as Yaz's mum and gets corrected to Nadja and then just keeps calling her Yaz's mum. Bit rude, but also I feel like... I don't mind it because I feel like it's consistent with the Doctor's characterization. Is in that she tends to, she focuses on the information that she thinks is useful and has a habit of not taking in the stuff which isn't, like immediately useful to her. And also, she's already very quickly glommed onto, you know, Yaz, Graham, and Ryan. So, what's interesting to her about Nadia is that she is Yaz's mum. Mm. She's like, I like Yaz. You're Yaz's mum. That's great. That is a great thing to be. And so, like, she's been categorised as that in her brain. And she can't shake that. So I don't mind that, to be honest. So Yaz and the Doctor begin investigating the big hole that the spider came through. And Graham seems to know who this man of power and importance is. Yes. And, of course, it's Jack Robertson. Oh, yes, Jack Robertson. Okay. So, they lampshade the whole Trump parallels. Yep. Which I think is a mistake. I think it would have been stronger if they just hadn't done that. Well, I even wrote in my notes, is he supposed to be Trump? Because the point is, he, he clearly isn't, 
because Trump is an absolute insane buffoon of a man. Jack Robertson seems like a very serious, grounded, you know, capitalist businessman type. Uh-huh. He's like Trump without all the, 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 the psychological weirdness and man-child qualities. Um, which is fine. Um, I, I do think he's a good villain, actually. I think he's a convincing villain, and I like that there is nuance there. Um, but I kind of would have preferred it if we hadn't had the direct Trump references. Mm. I also don't think we particularly needed all the talk about him running for presidency. Yeah, the thing I don't is, think by... it really adds much. I think by mentioning Trump, it kind of brings Doctor Who into the real world. Whereas in the past, we've had like different prime ministers and presidents. Yeah, yeah. It just Um, doesn't marry up, I think, in the way they maybe intended it to. Yeah, and we've already had, we've already had a Trump reference in. was it? I think it was uh, in series ten, wasn't it? There was there was a Trump gag or two in there. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I, I I agree. It's I kind of prefer it when we're a little slightly more removed from our reality. Mm. So they run away from a big spider. The whole hotel is webbed up, and they try to work out why all the spiders are going mad. Graham uh, acts as bait whilst yeah. Ryan tries to trap a spider because they work out the two things they really need are a captured spider as well as the plans to the hotel. Yeah. So at this point, we still don't really know what the plan is. No. But we're starting to see it come together. Now... If that was us, David, and I said I wanted you to act as bait for a big giant spider, would you do it? No. No, I would not. Because I am a coward. Well, what if I reassured you by saying, well, I'm going to hide in this doorway and jump out with a big cooking pot? I do not have enough experience of your athletic abilities to determine whether or not I trust you to succeed. Right. In that plan. What we need to do is go to like a local fair and play Bat the Rat. And, uh, oh, yeah? Are uh, you shit hot at Bat the Rat? Yeah. Get me on one of those like whack a moles. You, you've yeah. never seen anything like it. Lightning quick reflexes. Yeah. Right. So they do trap the spider when loads of others arrive. Uh, it turns out that, well, the doctor works out if there's spiders at this hotel and back at the apartment complex, then perhaps Yaz's mum is the link. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find out the hotel was built on an old coal mine. Yeah. Um, and there's something locked away underground, a big door that says, danger, do not come this way. You know, I thought we were going to start seeing the big bad at this point. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I will admit I don't know much about geology or architecture or anything like that. But in my head, the idea of we've got these this network of old mine shafts, this hollowed out earth 
underground here, my first instinct wouldn't be, let's put a really heavy building on top of it. Mm. I feel like that's a bad choice. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe you, it, it's fine, and, you know, people bu- are building on disused mines quite regularly, unbeknownst to me. But... <sighs> I wouldn't have thought it would be a good idea, or the sort of thing that was likely to get approved. I don't know. Certainly up Northumberland way. I'm I'm pretty certain they collapsed most of the mines, so they could build on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine if you do if you do that. And then my point is that you've essentially got this sort of like this this honeycomb structure (laughs) underneath your your big heavy building, your multi-story building. Um, that's a lot of pressure to put on not a lot of solid earth Mm. so they still don't know at this point whether the hotel is the spider's base or the spider's target Mm. Uh, they find Frankie's corpse just hanging from the ceiling strung up Yep. and as they walk away Jack secretly takes Frankie's gun yeah oh I think it's his um it's his bodyguards going. I security man. Yeah, they find him as well. Right. Um, all of the mine shaft has been filled with landfill, so with rubbish, and there's a big old toxic mess. Yep. Including some of the aborted carcasses from the lab where Jade works. Yeah. So we find out that Jack's waste disposal company had worked for Jade's lab, taken some of the waste away, but then just put it in this big hole. Yeah. Okay. Ryan reads his dad's apology letter, mm-hmm. says that his dad wants to reconnect, says that he should come live with him because he's his real family, and Ryan says he doesn't like that. Yeah. Uh, but... But I did like this bit where they're having a heart-to-heart and then Graham says, oh, can I just ask one question? Um, did you check the ceiling? And then when they look up, the ceiling's just riddled. Yeah. I thought yeah. that worked it's an, pretty well. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice misdirect, isn't it? Because mm. you, your head's not in that space in that scene. And then, yeah, it just kind of brings the threat back nicely. So they all go to Robertson's, Robertson's panic room, sorry. Yeah. And the doctor says, well, we can't shoot the spiders, as we've already said. We're going to lock them in this room until they starve to death. (laughs) Okay. Now, it's not clear that that is the sum total of her plan at that point. And it really wasn't until the first time I watched this that after I'd finished the episode and took a step back and thought for a second, I was like, hang on. Are those spiders still in there? Like, in my head, I'd sort of done some filling in for on the Doctor's behalf, and I've and I'll come away with the impression that her plan was, we'll get the spiders into the, in, into the panic room so they're all contained, and then I'll find a way, I'll find some planet or something to dump them on the, with, like, a, a, an atmosphere that they can breathe and something like that. You know, she's got a flipping space and time machine. She'd find some, you know, because they were talking about they need a humane option. But yeah, no, it it turns out that 
that it really was, let's just trap them in here with limited oxygen and no food source, mm. was, was the plan there. Mm. That's weird, isn't it? What, what did That's you... not very Doctor Who. <laughs> what did you think about the use of grime music to draw them in? I was going to check with you, is that what young people call grime music? It is. That sort of thing. Right, yes. Um, I liked it. Not the music itself, but I, I, I liked its use within Doctor Who, um, because unlike, say, last week where, uh, you know, it's this whole diegetic, non-diegetic thing we were talking about last week with Rosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very jarring in Rosa because it doesn't fit the period setting. Um, it doesn't feel like normal Doctor Who and it's very on the nose. This is within the context of the story. Makes absolute perfect sense that that's what Ryan would be into. And that's really cool because we have here, this is this is Doctor Who being made in 2018. Um, and it's great that you've got a companion who, you know, represents a, a significant part of Britain's youth at that point, you know, which is, uh, should be part of the role of the companion, I think. They, you know, that they are our sort of contemporary window into this world so yeah no it, it entirely works for me um what did you think about it as a, did you just find it a bit annoying no i didn't mind it i yeah. didn't mind it i just like i say based on what we were talking about last week i just wanted to check yeah, its no, use that's that's the thing it's it's i think it's a very good sort of comparison in terms of like the distinction between uh use of, of popular music when it's justified within the context of a story or where it's just kind of like stuck on as an afterthought. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, they plan to use essential oils from the spa to trap the big spider. We didn't, uh-huh. we, we didn't discuss it, but we established earlier that there's certain smells and what have you that spiders yeah. really don't like. Boy, you can tell Chris Chibnall read the shit out of the Wikipedia that, article on spiders. That's what I thought. I was like, has he just watched one documentary and become obsessed with spiders? <laughs> um, so when... I feel like he probably went to the special effects team and said, right, okay, what can we do? What's um, Could you do me? Could you do me big, um, big frogs? Like, no, maybe not. What about big... Uh, uh, big uh, wasps? No, we've done them. No, yeah. don't forget that. Forget that. Uh, what haven't we done? Oh, uh, spiders. Yeah, I mean, technically, Doctor Who has done big spiders, but that was a long time ago. So let's do them again. Yeah. Yeah. There was literally there was a, a Pertwee story called Planet of the Spiders, which is oh wow, lot lot of big spiders on it. But um, you know, and, and in fact, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, why doesn't why doesn't the Doctor like drop them off on on Metabilis three? Yeah, and just leave. We them. get a, a proper little callback. Fun for fans. It doesn't matter. It still, you know, it's it wouldn't leave new viewers behind because they'd be like, okay, yeah, there's there's an alien planet already got a load of big spiders on it. They'll, these guys will fit right in. But no, I think you've just yeah. improved this episode. <laughs> yeah. it, that's the thing. It's it. This kind of thing is frustrating. Because it feels like the sort of thing that should have been picked up before the script's going in front of a camera. 
Okay. You know, it, it feels like first draft stuff. Like he's bashed it out, and he's like, "Ah, oh, I don't know. They need to okay. They trap the spiders in a big room. Great. We'll come back to that. Blah, blah, blah. Right, CND. Like, okay, great, done. And then when you read it back, you're just like, "Hang on." So, you trap them in a in a panic room, and then what? They just st- starve to death. Uh-huh. Like that should have been picked up, and it's weird that it wasn't. Um. So, yeah, I, it makes it very hard to appreciate the rest of the episode, which does largely work. I think, you know, the performances are good. The direction is good. The humour is good. I think it's one of Chibnall's strongest scripts from a humour perspective. But, yeah, there's something seriously missing there uh-huh. in the resolution. Anyway, let's wrap so, this up. the big spider is too big to breathe, which I thought was weird, because yesterday I taught a lesson about spiracles on insects. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's got too big... The oxygen can't diffuse through its body, so Robertson just shoots it. He calls it a mercy killing. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. If, if, if I'm given a straight-up choice between death by, you know, instantaneous headshot or... Um, asphyxiation I think I'm probably going to choose the headshot so the doctor's not very happy about this but they leave all the same yeah Uh, back at home Graham sees Grace again and back at Yaz's house her mum asks how she knows the doctor yeah, yeah, she asked earlier whether they were whether they were an item Mm. and uh, I liked the doctor's response which is like don't think so are we like, <laughs> genuinely was just like what are the parameters here yeah uh so yes says look i'll tell you when i get back yeah and she goes i, I don't i was going to say i don't know whether i might as well point it out um 13th doctor and yaz is quite popular with the shipping crowd okay so um yeah one one to keep an eye on Potentially. Uh, So they all go to the TARDIS and say they don't want a goodbye. And I think, is this the first time we've had companions ask to travel with the Doctor rather than the Doctor invite them? Certainly for a long while. I mean... Donna, certainly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she'd had her bags packed and everything, hadn't she? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think whether... Amy, no, it was she was invited as a child, but then, you know, weirdness and, and stuff. But so, like, she'd had the thought for a long time, so when the opportunity arose, there was no second thought. Mm. But that's slightly different, isn't it? Clara, Clara, Clara was... Yeah. The doctor almost wouldn't have taken no for an answer. Yeah, it was parked outside her house. Yeah. Um... Bill, no, that was pretty mutual, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. So, yeah, probably his Donna was the last one. Mm. And then we end with her calling him them her fam, which yeah. I absolutely hate. But then she says, no, we'll go with TARDIS team, it's much better, which mm. I do prefer. Yeah. Um, And it ends on a really nice moment where, you know, for us, 
first of all, she says, look, I can't guarantee you're safe. Lovely that she was very upfront about that. Mm. You know. Finally learning a lesson. Yeah, the doctor isn't always very upfront about the risks involved. Um, They all have very legitimate reasons for wanting to maybe have a bit of a break, you know, from reality and and explore, you know, excuse to explore elsewhere. Um, And so when they pull the crank to go, go off to Vista's new they do it together. It's a really lovely shot with all their hands on on the, on the crank there. Really nice ending. Yeah. And just shame, just shame they they murdered a load of giant spiders before. Yeah, to get there. <laughs> yeah. This show, the, the New Who, doesn't have a great track record with spiders, does it? Because think about the Ratnos babies. Yeah, they got torched. Uh, and uh, no drowned, I believe. Oh, even better. Yeah. Oh, it's an entire species wiped out by drowning there from the Doctor. And at least Donna was there to say, come on, that's a bit much, bit much. Doctor. yeah. <laughs> Whereas here, the three of them are just like, yep, cool. <laughs> What's next yeah. then, Doc? Oh, weird, weird business, the, the, the end of that story, isn't it? But, but hey, like I say, there is good in there. There's good in there. I think I'm probably more positive about it than you are. Yeah. But um, I think possibly yeah. my least favourite of the series so far. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. It's got its problems for sure. Um, fingers crossed you'll enjoy next week's a little bit more. Uh, next week we will be discussing the Saranga conundrum. Oh, great. Mm. Means... And that Saranga spelt with a T, of course. Yeah. So can't even guess what that's going to be. Could be anything. Yep. Yeah. I mean, well, at least it's, it, we've gone from one extreme to the other because uh, this episode title was like, mm, I wonder what it could be about. Yeah, yeah, I like, I don't mind a bit of mystery in my Doctor Who titles. Um, it's got, a, it's got a nice ring to it, I think, the Saranga conundrum. But anyway, so do join us next week for that, listeners. Uh, but until then, as always, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, cheerio! Don't forget to give to the Wheelie Big Quiz. And goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.